great time together getting into the word and worship. Uh, but let's go ahead and stand up tonight. And we are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. Amen. All right. Let's go ahead and we're going to speak these words of faith together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Give the Lord some praise tonight and you may be seated. Okay, we're going to get into some announcements here. First of all, um, the varsity class tonight, okay, varsity, that's the fourth and fifth graders. They're going to actually be uh, sitting in on youth group tonight. And so uh, they asked me to go ahead and dismiss them. If there are any fourth and fifth graders, you guys can meet Brother Robert right over here. And he's going to take you over next door uh, to the youth building tonight. Amen. So varsity, you can be dismissed. And and we'll let you go for now, okay? Let's get into our announcements. Speaking of youth, um, last night the teens started their very own lift group Bible study, and it was just incredible, amen? I uh, I felt the need to sit on it, and uh, there was 26 of them that showed up, which was very, very good. So that's a nice little small Bible study there, and they had a really good time, so I'm happy about that. Um, also, speaking of things like that, uh, who in here likes to study the Bible? Very good. Well, if you like to study the Bible and you are a female, guess what? Tomorrow night, Beauty and the Bible with uh, Billy and Megan and the girls, all right? It's going to be 6.30 to 8 over at the new restaurant, Billy's New Place. So check that out. And then also tomorrow night is Young Adults for ages 18 to 25. Amen. This is their February get-together at Jesse Winston's house, all right? And so uh, if you need directions, let one of us know. But that's for ages 18 to 25 tomorrow night at uh, 7 p.m. 7 p.m. tomorrow night, okay? And then uh, baptisms are this Sunday, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, baptisms. Uh, we can either. We, hey, you know what? We just we're happy to baptize you. All right. We'll do it at the morning service or the nighttime service, whichever you want. You just let us know, and uh, we'll be glad to dunk you. And as I always say, depending on how bad you've been, we'll dunk you twice. We don't care. I mean, you know, it's a it's a joke. Oh, you want three? A triple dunk, ladies and gentlemen. I've only done that one other time. No, seriously, I did once. All right. So anyway, <laughs> that was a fun one. So baptisms Sunday, there will be a brief class. If you're getting baptized, there will be a brief class that morning. Um, we'll, I think 915 we'll meet in the lobby out there. Okay. And uh, if it's the, if you're getting baptized at night, uh, it'll, be, it'll be 530, I think. So anyway, uh, Heather will be calling you this weekend and she'll give you the correct information that I probably don't know what I'm talking about. About. So thank you, Heather, for doing that. All right. Uh, see. Oh, here's one. Hold on to your seats. Okay. Hold on to your seats. I don't want you to fall out from excitement. 
Hold on, okay? Here it is. Church work day, everybody! Yeah! Woo! Amen, yeah. So Easter is coming up, and we also have a very special guest in a few weeks. And so we're going to be doing a good old-fashioned family work day on Saturday. March 9th from 8 a.m. to noon. And uh, anyway, we just got some spring cleaning and a few projects to take care of. And hey, if everybody just pitches in for a little bit, it gets done really, really quick. And if not, well, then, hey, you know, take longer. So whatever. But we would love for you to be here. So we'll be announcing this more Saturday the 9th, 8 a.m. to noon. And then oh, that brings me to the next beautiful point is that Sunday, March 17th, I am super excited. Pastor Gerald Brooks is joining us from Plano, Texas. All right. Amen. And again, I talked about this Sunday, but he is a huge mentor in Pastor Katie and I's life. He is just one of the most sought after leadership speakers in the United States, uh, especially in the Christian world, but also in the corporate world. And he requested to come to High Desert Word Center. And so I was like, absolutely, man, whatever you want. So Sunday, the 17th, only at the 10 a.m. service. I highly encourage that you be here that day. I am super pumped up about this, right? And then finally, Easter is coming up, everybody. It is the last Sunday of March this year. And so um, the play, we did the auditions um, on Sunday. We're going to be doing the, the Easter play will be on Good Friday this year. All right. It'll be on Good Friday. And then uh, Sunday will still be our big Easter service. The kids will be doing a musical performance that day. And of course, right after service, we're doing the big egg hunt out there. And so we're doing 4,000 eggs this year and we've got 3,000 so that means we still need 1,000 if I'm doing my math right and I'm pretty sure that I am all right so uh, let's bring in a thousand more eggs with candy and we're gonna bless a whole bunch of kids who thinks that sounds pretty good man because guys listen we don't just put candy in there. There is a Bible verse in every single egg. All 4,000 will have a Bible verse in them. And I, I just love that. Um, so it's going to be a super big day and it's going to be great. So we want everybody to be here and be involved with that. All right. I had something else, but it has slipped my mind. So maybe I'll remember it later. All right. Very good. Well, who knows what time it is now? Yeah, amen. Pastor's going to do our Wednesday night times and offerings. And I want to encourage you, the window is closing on, we're going to be ordering the chairs very, very soon. And um, I still think we need, a, um, we're about 2,000 off of what the mark was, I think. And so uh, let's get, if you want to get involved in this, we're buying 100 more chairs to bring in the harvest because the harvest is great. So mark your envelope chairs if you're going to do that, all right? Praise God. I'm going to leave you alone now. Go ahead. Hallelujah. Woo. Man, I'm on now. Glory to God. Can you hear me now? <laughs> I like what President Bush said. They're all going to hear us pretty soon. Amen. Because you know why? Because we're laborers in his harvest. And everywhere we go, we preach the good news and we demonstrate the good news. Well, hold up your hands, be an envelope for your tithes, for your offerings. And open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. I'm going to read about four verses, starting at verse 9. And exhort you a little bit. How, how many know that uh, 
giving tithes to God and, and offerings and things like that. It's part of the Christian life. But it's just part of the Christian life. You know, uh, God doesn't really need your money. He needs your love. And down here on earth, God uses money, so that's why he has people give to charitable organizations, the churches, tithes, give offerings, things to do the work that God wants them to do. But the main thing that God needs is your hearts, good character, living like a Christian every day. So I'm going to, I'm going to give a few nuggets to you uh, just to encourage you. But in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9, he says, But beloved... We are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation. Things that accompany salvation. Well, I was raised in a drinking family, and there's things that accompany uh, being in a drinking family. You drink. And people know what brand you drink because you just, I mean, I don't know what it is now. Fifty years ago when I was a serious drinker, we all had our own brand we liked to drink and what we liked to do. But there was things that accompanied our family. And things like that. Well, as a Christian, there should be things that accompany your salvation. There should be things that people know you by. And one thing that I've always, I've always said, that if you're a real serious Christian, then your uh, unsaved friends and carnal Christian friends know better than to mess with you on Wednesday night to go to a ball game or something. They say, they say well, don't call Billy. She's going to be in church. Amen. Or, or don't mess with Chuck on, on Sunday. He's in church. There's things that God has in our lives that we live that people should know us by. They ought to know. Well, hey, uh, don't tell him that joke. He don't, he don't laugh at those jokes anymore. Amen. Things that accompany salvation. It says, for God has done unright, not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Well, that's what we do. We work for Jesus. We help people. That's a labor of love sometimes when, when you're helping people. And they cuss you out. Helping people and they let you down. It's a labor of love to keep on going back again. That's why Jesus said turn the other cheek and go the extra mile. But anyway, uh, labor of love which you have showed toward his name and that you have ministered to the saints that do minister. And now verse 11 and verse 12, uh, this, I, I, I apply this to tithes and offerings and things like that. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. That you be not slothful, don't be lazy, don't be sluggish, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Faith and patience. And uh, patience means being constant, being disciplined, being consistent. You faithfully go to bed early so you get up early before work and have some prayer time and look at your Bible time. You faithfully... Uh, arrange your schedule to make sure like uh, Gerald Brooks coming but things like that's going on that God sends somebody special to your church you change things around somebody says hey we're going to do such and such such and such this coming Sunday can you come well you need to be able unless it's really something really 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 big deal like your parents grandparents 50 wedding anniversary or something like that unless it's something really serious you need to say you know what I would love to but this is a once in a lifetime thing a man of this caliber coming to our church and so I want to be there because I believe he's got something for me, and I want to be a part of it. But consistently, that means uh, whether you're making a lot or making a little, you give God 10%. And, and you know, 10% is 10%. Do you know that if Bill Gates were a tither, that my tithe is exactly, exactly the same as Bill Gates, 10%. 
Do you know that when you were young and you were making a little bit of money and now you got a good union job, got a good job making lots of money, your tithe is the same now as it was when you were 12 years old. 10% never changes. That's all God says. That's what he's talking about, to be consistent. And so he says, you follow them through faith and patience. That means that we've stuck with it a long time. We haven't quit. We're in a marathon. We keep on doing what we know to do. We're disciplined people. And he says that we are to be followers of others have proved that it works. And this is how it works. And I, I was thinking, before I came up here, I, I, I got something I want to read you. Several years ago on New Year's Eve, I, I did a message about what to expect for the coming year. And I wrote down, and I said this to the congregation then, I like that sermon so much, I've carried it in my sermon notebook and privately several times a year. Sometimes I'll look at it every week, one page out of this that spoke to me. And I, want, I just want to read this to you to provoke your thinking for your life about be followers them through faith and patience. And then also things that accompany salvation. So here's what I said that night. And I read this to myself because I learned a long time ago that people like us that minister to whole congregations and not just our own little families, that, that we have to live this by faith. We can preach it by anointing, but we walk through those doors there, man. We're back to the real world where we got our own flesh. We got to crucify and we got to do things by faith too because we're real people. And so, this is why this speaks to me, but listen to these things right here I was going to give to you to think about in your consistent life as a Christian. Number one, stay saved. Live like you're a Christian every day in every situation. Every day, live like you're a Christian. Every day. Every day. Don't live like you used to. Don't go back. And then stay faithful in church attendance every month. You know, you can't have a, a, a hard set rule, man. You've got to be in church every time the doors are open. It's nice if you can, but the thing is, because of life schedules, work, things like that, but the main thing is stay faithful. Stay faithful. Come as much as you can, and then stay faithful in what Jesus has gifted and called you to do in church and in the secular world. I look at the faces out here at the different jobs. I know some of you have out there in the world. Some of you own your own businesses. Some of you are supervisors, and some of you are workers. It doesn't make any difference what you do. God has wired you to do what you do. And so you stay faithful out there. And then what he's called you to do inside your church, stay faithful at that. That's what you call patience. You're being constant. You're being consistent in your Christian walk. Stay faithful with tithes and offerings. Be quick to repent if you sin or begin to backslide. That's a big one. Be quick to repent if you sin or begin to backslide. As soon as you know that you turn around, you're making the wrong move, as soon as you're aware, uh-oh, 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 be quick right then to look up and say, oh, Jesus, help, 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 help. I don't want to go down this road, Lord. I don't want to go here. Be quick to do that. Talk about being a, a consistent Christian and be quick to forgive if others have wronged you. The biggest one that will get hurt in a situation like that is you, the unforgiver. Because people that wrong you, especially people that aren't church people, that's the way they live. It doesn't bother their conscience at all. But you're the one that if you hold something against them, you're the one that's dragging a weight around. You're the one that's going to lose in life. And so anyway, I just want to tell you, as, as a Christian, we should tithe. 
church give offerings, but at the same time, we should live like a Christian every day, everywhere we go. And just those simple little things to me, that are things that accompany salvation. As Christians, we live like a Christian. And there's so many people, so many people that see us everywhere we go on our jobs, in the stores, in our families, that they expect something out of us. And they're shocked if all of a sudden you turn around and go the other direction then, and then you kind of lose your credibility. Good preaching. Amen, amen. Well, let's stand up. Make our financial faith confession. And we make the financial faith confession because this is principles alive with the Word of God. And Jesus told us one of the biggest ways that our faith works is by what we say. That's in agreement with His Word. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, give generously in the kingdom of God, promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, let's worship the Lord together.
we know that you are good and you are good all the time, Father. We thank you that you came to give us life and life more abundantly. You are the good shepherd and we thank you, Jesus, for all that you are. We ask that you would have your way in this service tonight. May your word have free course, Father, and accomplish everything that you send it forth to do. Speak to us this evening, God. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise tonight. Hallelujah. Well, you can make your way to your seats. You could give someone a nice little high five on your way there. Um, okay, the uh, kids that are in here can still be dismissed to class second grade on up. They can meet their teachers back there by the lobby, and they'll escort them to their classes. Amen. And it's going to be a good time for them. All right, we're going to get right into the Word tonight because we do not have much time. Uh, we're also doing communion at the end of this service. So we want to make sure that we fit everything in here. Amen. So the title tonight is this. We're going to be talking about the promises of God. And so our title tonight, we're going to call it Promises, Promises. Have you ever heard somebody kind of, you know, say that expression, kind of go about it that way? Promises, Promises. And you should know this, that the Bible is a book full of promises. Do you know that tonight? It is full of promises. And if you believe in and trust the Lord, then you realize that this is a very exciting thing. Now, when it comes to promises, we should also know this much that a promise is only as good as the person who made it. I mean, if some, you know, just person that you know doesn't have any money shows up and says, hey, I'll give you a million dollars next Thursday. What are you going to do? Be like, okay, bud. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Have a good day. All right. Yeah, go on. You know, because you don't believe it. You know, they don't have the goods to back it up. But if somebody that's got the goods to back it up makes you a promise and they're a person of their word, you can get super excited, right? And so again, a promise is only as good and trustworthy as the person that's making it. Who in here tonight would say that God is very trustworthy? Can Do you trust him? All right, we're not just saying that. I mean, we literally trust him and for good reason because he's very trustworthy and he doesn't lie. You can trust someone like that. Now, who in here would say that God is extremely powerful? I mean, we could even say he's all-powerful, almighty, all-knowing. We know this. And so when God makes promises, not only is he uh, a, a man of his word, but he also has the goods to back it up. He is not writing checks that he cannot cash. Someone say amen. You know this, right? And so the Bible is full of promises. In 1998, Pepperdine University completed a one-and-a-half-year study and, and counted you know, I'm just taking their word for it, but they counted 8,810 promises made by God. 8,810 promises directly made by God. And if you want to just do this whole study on your own, get back to me and let me know what you come up with. But I think that sounds like a lot of promises. 8,810 promises made by God, and they're all right here made to you. Amen. And so who thinks that it would be a great idea to open it up and see what some of these promises are? 
Amen. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to look at, you know, a few promises uh, from the Bible. I promise you we will not cover all 8,800 tonight. Okay. Uh, I know. Don't want to let anybody down. Some of you are like, man, we wanted an all-nighter in here, dude. Well, it's not going to be tonight. Okay. I got to get home in a little bit. So, uh, but I want you to open up your Bible, first of all, to Isaiah 25. Isaiah chapter 25. And we're going to be in the book of Isaiah quite a bit tonight. Um, I love the book of Isaiah. It is full of some incredible uh, promises from the Word of God. And I just want us to get a hold of this. So Isaiah, and we're going to start here at chapter 25. Amen. Isaiah 25. And I'm just going to, I just want to open up with verse 9 here. And then we're going to be digging into a few things. But Isaiah 25 and verse 9, and this is a beautiful day. It says, in that day, the people will proclaim, this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord in whom we trusted. Let us rejoice in the salvation he brings. Someone say amen tonight. Amen. Who in here, you're like Isaiah and you could say, hey, this is my God. I trusted him and he saved me. Anybody, you've been on that spot, you can identify with what Isaiah is saying right there. This is our God. We trusted him. He didn't let us down. He saved us. He kept his word. He kept his promise. And that is a great spot to launch off from what we're going to do. We're going to look at three different things out of Isaiah 26 tonight uh, that I just want you to see. These are just, I mean, some incredible promises from the word of God that I want to encourage you with tonight. All right. And so number one is this. You need to know that we are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Who knows that? We are surrounded. You're like, wait, I thought that was, you know, you got that out of the Barstow Faith Confession. No, the Barstow Faith Confession got that out of Isaiah 26, actually. Believe it or not, Isaiah 26 came before the Barstow Faith Confession. So, Isaiah 26, and uh, let's go ahead, and we're going to look here at verse 1. It says, And that day... Everyone in the land of Judah will sing this song. And I'm like, well, hey, in 2024, everyone in the land of Barstowville will sing this song. Our city is strong. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Amen. And so I want you to say this out loud about yourself tonight. I'm going to tell you what to say. I want you to say, I am surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Say it with me. I am surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. And it's a very, very good thing for you to repeat the promises of God out loud to yourself. Because sometimes the devil is coming and he's throwing some stuff at you. He's throwing, you know, he's huffing and puffing and threatening to blow the house down. Well, what do you do? You speak the promises of God out loud. And so when we look at some of these verses, is I want you to personalize it to you. And I am surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Do you know that this is really good news tonight? Do you know it would be very bad news if you were not 
surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. If you did not have the fortress, amen, the shelter of the Most High, if you did not have the refuge that the book of Psalms promises us, if you weren't surrounded, do you know how vulnerable you would be? I mean, you probably wouldn't even be here tonight. All right, you'd already be taken out a long time ago. But the good news is, is that you are surrounded by God on every single side. Now, it would be good to have a personal bodyguard to follow you everywhere you went. I mean, I, I, you know, I'd be down with that. I've probably ticked a few people off in my day, you know. But hey, it's all good. Uh, but, but you would just have some confidence, man. If you knew, like, on every side of you, you just had bodyguards. You, you know, it, it would, it would bring some sense of relief. But I'm going to tell you this: imagine being surrounded 24/7, even when you're sleeping, when you're getting up, when you go to bed, when you rise, everywhere. Being surrounded by God Almighty. Imagine. Well, guess what? You don't have to imagine too hard because it's a reality in your life. You are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. You could just write this down. But in 2 Kings chapter 6, we have a story of Elisha and his servant. And they've ticked the king of Aram off. And what happens is he sends an entire army of thousands to surround Elisha and his assistant. And they go out there and, and they look all around and Elisha's assistant, he starts like crying like, we're surrounded, what are we gonna do? And Elisha prays this simple prayer. He says, God, would you just open his eyes just, just for one brief second so he could see the spiritual reality? And so when the assistant opens up his eyes, he gets to see into the spiritual world for just a minute. And the hillside all around them, he saw uh, the angelic army, uh, the army of God and chariots of fire. And they were surrounded on every single side. And Elisha says, there's more of us than there is of them. Think about that. And if you, if God would allow your eyes to be open spiritually for just one minute, you would be shocked to know that you are surrounded by the army of God. There's more of us than there is of them. Did you know that? And that's really good news. We're surrounded on every single side. And so what are the walls of God's salvation? Well, usually when we talk about salvation, the only thing that most people think of and comes to their mind is being saved from hell. Well, that is certainly a wonderful part of salvation, right? But you know that salvation is a very full word. It, it is a multifaceted word. And once again, uh, in our English language, we just can't accompany it all in one word. But it's this Greek word called soteria. And it means salvation, means salvation of the soul. But deliverance, perseverance. Uh, preservation, safety, help. Do you know that when you are saved, when you have salvation, you have deliverance? Who in here thinks that that's good news? Amen. That you have deliverance. Amen. You've been delivered from whatever is holding you back in life, whether it be a sin or an addiction or a fear. You have deliverance in the name of Jesus. Preservation. God is going to 
preserve you. He's going to protect you. This is part of salvation. And of course, it tells us there's safety. We can expect God to save us and to keep us safe in the name of Jesus. And I believe we can also expect God to be our healer. Who knows that he is a healer? Amen. He is the healer. And so this is all part of salvation, even though most people think that being saved simply means that you've got to get out of hell card. I mean, that's good news. Praise God. I don't want to go to hell. But I also know that I don't have to live in hell on earth until I get to heaven someday because Jesus is the deluxe package. Amen. Yeah, I mean, that's super sizing your fries right there, right? Jesus is the real deal. And so you need to know this. Now, another way to look at the walls of God's salvation is to realize that it's God's presence in your life. And so we're going to be coming back to Isaiah 26. Hold your spot, but flip over to Psalm 31 real quick. Psalm 31. Amen. And I'm moving a little bit quick tonight because I got to cover a lot of ground in about, uh, give me about 17 more minutes. Okay. <laughs> so Psalm 31, and we're going to look at verse 20. Psalm 31. And verse 20. And this is, uh, again, I've, I've referenced this verse a lot of times in here, but I really like it. So Psalm 31 and verse 20. And it says, you hide them in the shelter of your presence, safe from those who conspire against them. Do you have anybody that's conspired against you ever? Ooh, what do you need to do? You need to get in the shelter. That's what you need to do. You need to get into the shelter. And that's the presence of God. And then the end of this says, you shelter them in your presence far from accusing tongues. You shelter them in your presence. And so God is a shelter. He is a fortress. He is a refuge. He is the eternal rock. I mean, there's so many different things we could say uh, about this, but just know this much is that he surrounds you on every side. He goes before you and he follows behind you. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and he's also the ending. Amen. You are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. And then number two is this. We're going to go back to Isaiah 26. Number two is this, is that God will keep you in perfect peace. God will keep you in perfect peace. And so we're going to look at Isaiah 26 and verse 3. And it tells us this. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. And so I want you to say this out loud with me tonight. Say this. God will keep me in perfect peace. Now say it like you mean it. God will keep me in perfect peace. Amen. He will. He will keep you in perfect peace. And I know some people may be sitting here thinking, well, that sounds nice. I wonder why I don't ever have perfect peace. Well, with this promise and in this verse here, did you notice that, uh, that, that there's kind of two conditions that it lists here? He will keep in perfect peace. Number one, all who trust in God. And then number two, all whose thoughts are fixed on him. And so 
If you're going around like, hey, I don't know why I don't ever have perfect peace. Well, let's consider this, that this verse applies to all who trust in God. I'm not accusing you of not trusting in God. Only you could answer that question. But if I was transparent, I could say that anytime I don't have perfect peace, I'm not trusting in God. So that's me. And then I could also say this, is that as long as my thoughts are fixed on him, I have perfect peace. Well, how do you keep your thoughts fixed on him? Well, one monumental way is keeping my attention on the word of God. Listen, when I read the Bible, I have, I have this peace that comes all over me. And, and, and it's like I'm going into this shelter that the devil may have been chasing me. <clears throat> I get into the shelter and he can't get in. And, I, you know, it's a safe place. It's a refuge. It's the secret place of the Most High that Psalm 91 talks about. And so, you know, I this is, sounds super harsh, but it's the truth. If someone's like, if I, if I read this verse and someone's like, well, I'm doing all that and I still don't have perfect peace. You know what I'm going to have to say? I'm going to have to say, I'm, I, I, and, and all due respect, no, you're not doing that. You're not. Because that would mean that the Bible's a lie. And it's not. And so there's no way in the world that you can tell me my thoughts are totally fixed on God and I am totally trusting him, yet somehow or another I still don't have perfect peace. Mm -mm, No. Be honest. Be honest with yourself, okay? Be honest with God. And I know that sounds so harsh, but listen, this is the type of stuff that I've got to tell myself, okay? And so if my thoughts are fixed on him, right? If I'm all caught up in him, I don't care. It doesn't matter what you said about me or what you called me because I know what God said about me and I know what God called me. Why in the world would I care what some dude in Barstow called me? Why? When God Almighty said some really great things about me, he said, I'm his beloved. Amen. He said that that I am his son. I'm a child of God. I don't care what you called me. And so I'm not going to lose my peace over that. Amen. And if the devil's making all these threats, well, if I'm trusting in him, I'm not going to lose my peace over this. And so say it again. God will keep me in perfect peace. Amen. Now, one quote that I always use when I talk about peace is this. It's that peace does not consist in the absence of danger, but in the presence of God. Peace doesn't consist in the absence of danger. It consists in the presence of God. But how do we know this? Well, you know, I've talked even to soldiers that have been, you know, over in the Middle East and have been surrounded by danger on all sides, yet on the inside... They had the peace of God. And I talked to people in the high desert every week, 52 weeks a year, that come up, they have no immediate danger around them, but on the inside, they have no peace at all. There's no one out to get them. There's nobody threatening them. There's not rockets and bullets whizzing by. There's no danger, but there's no peace. Well, what does that tell me? Peace doesn't just mean that there's no immediate physical danger around me. Peace comes within our hearts and it only comes from God. Do you know that tonight? That it only comes when we have the presence of God in our life. It doesn't have to do with our physical surroundings. I, I heard a story that there, there was two artists that set out to uh, uh, paint a picture 
representing perfect peace. They were told, paint what perfect peace would look like. And so one uh, painter, the first painter, painted a, a little boy sitting carefree in a boat out in the middle of a beautiful little pond without a single ripple in the water to disturb his moment. There was just, he was just perfectly at peace, it appeared, not even a ripple in the water. And the other painter painted a raging waterfall with wind spraying the water all around and on a limb overhanging the swirling water and everything, a bird had built its nest and was sitting peacefully guarding her eggs. And and, and so uh, here she was safe from any enemies because they weren't coming out there. And she was shielded and protected by the roaring waterfall. And, and, and so the first picture, what was wrong with the first picture? Well, if there's no ripples or anything, well, you're sitting in stagnant water. There's, no, there's just there's nothing going on there. But this other picture, even though it looked like, oh, this is crazy. No, that bird was perfectly at peace because it didn't matter that there was water and, and, and all this around. No, no. The peace was that it was okay in here. Amen. And you need to know this tonight that even if there's stuff going on all around you, you can still have the peace of God. And some people would be like, yeah, I'll tell you how I could have some peace, man, if I had some more money. You know what I say? That could get me some peace. No, peace. Because some of the most miserable people in the world are extremely rich. Right? And then some of the people that are, you know, at peace aren't rich. I remember when I was in Nicaragua, we went out to the jungle one day and we were just going from, you know, residence to residence. Uh, Monica, you were there. And, and so we're going from house to house. And really they were huts with grass roofs and stuff. But we're asking if we can pray for people. And I'm thinking, okay, what are these guys going to pray? What do they want prayer for? The, uh, surely they're going to ask for more money and a better house or something, right? No, they gave me the exact same prayer request that all of you guys do every Sunday. I'm just sad. I just, I don't have, I don't have peace right now. I, I feel depressed. And I'm like, wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense. Because uh, the, the people up there that have money in the United States have the exact same issues that the people that don't have money are dealing with. And so that must tell me that it must not be money that is causing their lack of peace. It must be something else. And so I'm telling you that peace it's in here. Amen. And I'm not saying that in a new age spooky way. I'm saying you better get Jesus in your heart. Amen. Because that is literally the only way that you will have peace. And someone would say, I know people that don't have Jesus in their heart and man, they seem happy all the time. It's a false sense of security. It's very, very temporary, very temporary. And did you notice that in this verse, uh, he, he, he said this, he will keep in perfect peace so this must imply that there is some sort of an imperfect peace or i don't know an inferior peace and i don't want fake i want real who wants the real thing tonight i'm not looking for any fake i want the real thing and so perfect peace is a promise for you for those who trust in him and those who keep their thoughts fixed on him now hold your place in Isaiah 26 let's really quick go to John 14:27 John 14 verse 27 now 
the world cannot give you peace because they, they don't have it to give to you. So John 14, and we'll look here at verse 27. We're going to see something that Jesus himself said here regarding peace. John 14 and verse 27. These are promises from God's word for you. These are totally available to you. John 14 and verse 27. And Jesus says this, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. So why are you looking for peace from people, from circumstances? Why are you looking for peace from this world? They, they couldn't give it to you even if they wanted to. They don't want to anyway, but even if they did want to, they don't have it to give to you. Jesus said, the peace that I give, I believe he's talking about the perfect peace, is a gift the world cannot give to you. And so what are we saying tonight? Whatever your problem is, God is the answer. In fact, he had an answer before the problem even occurred, right? He knows it. He knows all about it. And you also know that the first time you prayed about the problem is not the first time that God heard about it. He's, he's already ready to go, man. He's already ready to help you. He's looking for you to call out in faith and receive the promise that he has for you. And then number three, we're going to go ahead and get into number three here so we can get into communion in just a minute. But this is a good one. For those who are righteous, the way is not steep and rough. For those who are righteous, the way is not steep and rough. Let's really quick go back to Isaiah 26. Well, why would you say something like that? I thought it was, well, I'm just reading the Bible yet again. Isaiah 26 and verse 7. Isaiah 26 and verse 7. And it tells us this. But for those who are righteous, the way is not steep and rough. You are a God who does what is right. And you smooth out the path ahead of them. Hallelujah. He will smooth out the path ahead of us. And so say this out loud and I say, I am righteous. My way is not steep and rough. And so when we say we are righteous, that is not an inaccurate thing to say. If you are born again and have received Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so it's not wrong to say, yes, I am have been made righteous. That's not a self-righteous thing to say. No, you're not. That's not your righteousness. You've been made righteous by Jesus Christ. Amen. And so for those who are righteous, the way is not steep and rough. Now, we all face difficulties. Anybody you could say, well, I've had some difficulties. There, there has been times that there's been some things in the road that I've had to move out of the way. Uh, there's no denying that. But here's the good news. We have a God who will smooth out the path ahead of us. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. Amen. He can do some things that nobody else can do. Now, again, there's conditions to this promise. It doesn't say, yeah, God smooths out the path for everybody in the world. No, 
for those who are righteous, he smooths out the path. And so being righteous means you are in right standing with God. And, and, and this only happens when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. It's incredible that anybody can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. This isn't, I mean, it's such a, a simple thing, yet so many people let pride and even self-righteousness stop them from receiving this. You know who some of the most dangerous people are? Good people. What? No, listen, I can give an altar call in here on a Sunday when there's hundreds of people and the drug dealers and the people that have done really bad things will raise their hand because they know they've been bad. And the people that have lived a very good life but have never understood that they need to call in the name of the Lord and repent of their sins, they don't raise their hand. Why? Well, I've 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 lived a good life. Repent of what? You know what that's called? That's called being self-righteous. You're counting on your own righteousness to get into heaven. And you thought you could work your way in there. Yet the guy that robbed the bank knows he done messed up. And he better call on Jesus or he's going to hell. Oh my gosh, I wish people could get this. Because every Sunday, I look at hundreds of people. And in this crowd, I know that there's people that they they have lived a good life. They've never even gotten a speeding ticket. They've never smoked a cigarette. They, they've never, yeah, and so they think because of that, they think that their own goodness and their own righteousness, they've done enough good things. They volunteered at the shelter. They've fed the poor they've you know done this and that and they are so deceived that they don't know that it's not about that it's about calling on the name of jesus they are self-righteous they are counting on their own good works and they're going to hell isn't that stinking scary yet so many of the wonderful people here used to have extremely bad lives but because of that, they're like, they don't, they didn't even, they're like, I know I need Jesus. You kidding me? I don't have a chance at heaven unless I call on the name of the Lord. It's real easy to work with people. It's much easier to work with people like that, to build a church with people like that, to do ministry with people like that, because they, there's no way that they're counting on how good they've been. They're counting on how good Jesus has been. It's called the grace of God. Somebody needs to get a hold of that. Amen. All right, I am simply out of time, but we've got to look at one more verse and then we'll do communion. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. And so that's not the direction I intended on going with this, but we are talking very briefly here about the righteousness of God. Uh, and, And so this is the grace of God. Who knows that you have been saved by grace, amen? You're saved by grace through faith. And so, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. And this is the Apostle Paul discussing what he called a thorn in his flesh. As something that he was dealing with. But check it out. 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9. And he's having a conversation with God uh, regarding this. And the Lord said, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And then Paul says, 
So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. And so Paul at this point has this revelation that God's grace is what I need to make it through. God's grace is the answer. And so he said, I'm glad to boast about my weakness now. (laughs) You know what I mean? I don't have to try to just be strong, brother. No, I can be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And so when I realize that, hey, I could work all day long trying to do things for God and it wouldn't be enough anyway to get me to heaven. I'm going to have to rely on the grace of God. And so Paul says, man, hey, I'll boast about how weak I am because that is when the power of Christ can work through me. And so God's grace, the King James says, his grace is sufficient for you. His grace is all you need. And so I'm out of time there, but these promises we've looked at tonight are very real and very exciting. And you've seen that on some of these, there's, you know, some uh, some things, uh, precursors to them that if you want this, hey, God's saying do this and wow, you'll have peace. God's saying do this and wow. And so you're not buying it off of God. You're not earning it, but you are obeying what he said to do. And there is blessing in obedience. Amen. All right. Well, I could keep going on, but we're out of time. So let's go ahead. We're going to stand up together tonight. Praise the Lord. Pray that you've received from that. Uh, We're going to be taking communion together tonight. We do that on the third Wednesday of every month. And this just kind of gives a chance for those that can't attend Sunday mornings to uh, receive communion at least once a month. And so Pastor Josh is going to be leading us in worship for a second, but we're going to go go ahead and come up and get the communion elements. And so get those. You can go back to your spot there and then remain standing. We'll receive communion together in just a minute. All right, let's go ahead and go.
ready to receive communion. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 tells us to examine ourselves before we receive the communion elements. Uh, it tells us to judge ourselves. And I just want to encourage you tonight that if you're in here and, and, and maybe, you know, you've, you've sinned and, and you're looking for forgiveness, 1 John 1, 9 says that if we would confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But it does tell us to confess our sins to him. And the book of Proverbs says, he that covers his sins shall not prosper. And so who in the world would think that they could hide sin from God? It's not going to happen. Amen. And so I'm encouraging you with this tonight, though, that if we confess them to God, don't confess it to me. I've got no forgiving powers. Amen. (laughs) I can't, I can't do anything like that, but God can. And so if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful. He is just to forgive us. God promises, I'll forgive you. Just tell me about it. Confess it. And I will forgive you and I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And so we're going to take a minute tonight very quickly to examine ourselves as 1 Corinthians 11 says to do, and then we will uh, receive the communion elements. Amen. Corinthians 11 and verse 23. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to remember me. And so tonight we take this bread and Jesus, we thank you that this represents your body, which was broken for us. And we receive you and we thank you for that tonight in Jesus' name. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. And so tonight, Jesus, we take this juice and we understand that it represents your blood, which paid the price for our sins, Lord. You said that without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins. And so, Jesus, you shed your blood to pay for our sins. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah.
isn't God good tonight? I'm so thankful for his mercy. Amen. I'm going to have our prayer team come on up. And uh, if you're here and you need prayer for anything, we're going to invite you up for prayer. Amen. Mrs. Pastor is going to share here too. The Lord just gave me a word for somebody or somebodies. Now listen to this real closely. The desires of your heart are not too big for God. In other words, God has given you desires in your heart that maybe only you know about. And you think, oh, I really desire this in my heart, but I'll never have it. But God is a big God. And to tell you the truth, he's the one that put those desires in there so that you would go to him and you would ask him. So God will give you the desires of your heart. They're not too big for him. is open. If you need prayer, uh, come on up and we're going to pray with you and then we'll close service out in just a minute here. All right. So Pastor Josh is going to lead us for just a minute. If you need prayer, come right up tonight. Amen. Thank you. 
guys we're going to go ahead and close things out tonight no we went a few minutes over here but i pray that everybody's received from the word of god this evening amen well again few reminders the uh, the women's bible study beauty in the bible is tomorrow night uh, at 6 30 young adults is tomorrow night at 7 for ages 18 to 25 and i'm sure there's other great events going on that i just can't remember all of them amen so uh you know stay connected all right let's go ahead we're going to close in prayer and then we'll do our barstow faith confession amen father in jesus name we thank you lord for what we've seen in the word tonight lord and the, your word is full of promises it is an entire book full of promises and you are so so good to us god may we always recognize that and be thankful and god i pray that that we would stand on your word and be doers of the word uh, throughout the rest of this week lord and we know you're going to bring us back safely on sunday to worship
worship you. We praise your name. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? All right, let's go ahead and do our Barstow Faith Confession. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll see you this